This is Prayer Room Companion, episode 52, recorded May 11th, 2011. Our spiritual fathers, bishops, priests, and us. Welcome to This Week in Prayer Room Companion. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we are in the same studio, which <gasps> is much more, even though it's video, it's it's still better when... Live is always much better than Memorex. Exactly. What's say. Memorex? Used to be these things called VHS tapes, long VHS before DVDs, tapes. long before uh, Blu-ray, long before uh, live it, streaming. Was it only video, or is that well? Okay, never, no, I think even the audio cassettes are. Yeah, we're Memorex. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, anyway. tapes. Oh, I made a lot of mixed. How's tapes the weather in Brookings? <laughs> <laughs> that would be illegal. I don't know how the uh, weather is in your uh, mixed tapes that you made in seventh grade. Oh, uh, they, they, they were for sampling purposes only. Uh-huh. I told them to destroy it after one listening. All right. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> what can I say? I lived a life of dissipation. And then he converted and now yes. he never does any of that. Actually, yeah, I did get rid of all, like I had some illegal downloads and stuff like that when I was in college, but I got rid of all those. Good and for so, you. Yeah. Good for you. So, encourage my students to do the same. I'm sure this recording is being flagged as we speak by Apple's supercomputers and they're <laughs> happy to hear that. They, You're going to be oh, black flagged on uh, iTunes. Why is the Prayer Room <laughs> Companion not available for downloads on iTunes anymore? But just, Apple, Steve, he just said he deleted them all. It's over. We or record industry, the record. The, yeah, Our, what's it? The MI? No, MPAA. RCIA. No, no, no. That's something else. RCIA. RCIA. RCAA. The re- Record okay. Company Association of America. <laughs> Live is better. Is that what we said? <laughs> Live is so much better. And so it's a human principle. It's it's natural. It's uh, we're, we're we're not modernists here at Prayer Room Companion. Uh, we are Catholics. We believe in incarnate encounters. And so today in the yes. recording studio, Dr. Bergwald and I are having an incarnate encounter. Which is going all over the place in terms of... Why, yes. Because you actually, uh, dear listeners, I would like you to know, Dr. Bergwald still has not explicitly told me what this podcast is about. I like to surprise Father. Yes, he, he He's does. a veteran by now. He's able to roll with it at this point. <laughs> so what are we talking about? Uh, well, I, what I thought, I told, and I, I kind of proposed something. You did, you did, but we just didn't specify. No, no, we didn't specify. You said really. you proposed something, and you said, but that's what I'm writing about in my June's, my June. No, Bishop's we're going to do, but we're going to do that. We're going to oh, go okay. ahead and do but that. But do read now. the June Bishop's Bulletin, please. Don't uh, consider this online. a spoiler. No, no, no. Although we're recording to you on May twelfth, two thousand eleven, two weeks before, or so before the bulletin comes out, but. I think they're two different audiences, Father. The people Probably who read are. the bulletin and listen to Prayer Room Companion. Probably are. There's too much overlap there. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to talk about? Well, we're, so we're, we're mid-May, and at least in our diocese, um, we're getting close to the time when uh, priest assignments will be announced. Uh, so so every, every year, uh, there are at least a few moves made where some priests retire. Uh, so, so the parishes they were at, there's new priests assigned there. We have five men who are going to be ordained as priests in August. God willing. So they'll be God willing at this point. <laughs> I've got a funny story there. I'll come back to it in a minute. Okay. Um, Mark that on the board. Uh, so they, they'll be assigned somewhere and then just moves within among the active pres- the guys who have been ordained, like yep. Father Andrew. Uh, sometimes, I have been ordained. Yes. Yes, you have. And you have been moved before. <laughs> and from I have been moved. Pre- so why do we do that? Um, why, why do we move? And I, it's not so much that question, which is sort of a launching pad for the discussion, a discussion about the relationship between a bishop and his priests. Uh, the bishop, of course, is for the diocese, the, the high priest of the diocese, the priest of the diocese. The most reverend father. Exactly. The most reverend father. Uh, it's not just a highfalutin title. It indicates something real about his, 
who he is and his role within the diocese. Uh, and then, the, the of course, the bishop, every bishop has a relationship of spiritual paternity, spiritual fatherhood with every member of the diocese, but uh, in a particular way, or at least a different way, mm-hmm. uh, um, in a real sense, with the priests of the diocese. Very much so. Uh, in fact, I experienced this in a personal way, in a kind of an odd way. Uh, when I was first ordained, we were without a bishop. Right. Uh, and so that was uh, uh, June of 2006. And uh, uh, we had uh, an apostolic administrator bishop that was helping oversee things, but he had his own bishop, uh, diocese to take care of as well at the same time. Bishop uh, Samuel Quilla from Fargo. God bless him. Good man. And, but after I was ordained, and like one of the odd things, like commonly when priests are together in social settings, when you know, a group of priests get together, we typically don't always refer to each other as father. I mean, right. we might a little bit like first greetings, you know, and things like that. I'm, I usually am, and especially if I'm in public, I'm always... Right. But sometimes, you know, it's Bob and Jim and, you know, Sam. and But it just hit me like, wow, there's no one that I call father right now. Sure. You know, uh, I, my dad then, uh, my dad was still alive at that point. He passed away actually a short three months later. Right. And, uh, but just kind of this real sense of, wow, I, I don't have, I mean, I do have spiritual fathers. I have priests that I look up to. And I looked up to, I mean, there's bishops I know that I looked up to, but I didn't. I don't, there's no one that I call father anymore. I've I'd lost, a, I felt orphaned in a certain sense. And it was part of the adaptation. I wasn't orphaned. I was just feeling that way. Right. Um, but in that, and it's from, in my heart then when Bishop Swain was announced, there's great joy. Right. And great satisfaction. Yes, you know, it, it was, uh, I suppose a little bit like, you know, the Romans, you know, with the announcement of a pope. Sure. You know, I was right. like, uh, Habemus Episcopum. <laughs> you know, we have a bishop. <laughs> right. So, um, but yeah, so the bishop is that, uh, in a special way, then that spiritual father to his priests for the sake of multiplying his own paternity right. to the rest of the diocese. Exactly. And which that, is what I think we're going to go into. Right. So um, something, and we'll talk about that now, but what I'd be curious, so, so that sense of, of uh, being orphaned, so to speak, um, I'd be curious to hear in a few minutes. Um, so how, how do you experience that sense of paternity? ways that you do. Uh, right. but, but just for the, for the historical um, point that we were about to make, historically, go back over the beginning, of course, Jesus named the apostles and the apostles are the prototypes <laughs> of the bishops. The apostles um, were given Je- by Jesus his authority to teach the gospel, the teachings of Christ, to sanctify the people, particularly through the sacraments, administration of the sacraments, and then to be spiritual fathers, to govern, to lead the people of God, the family of God. Um, and and they, the, the apostles appointed other men to, to assist them, particularly as the first generation died, was martyred. Right. Um, so well, th- e- even before uh, the first generation of apostles right. died, what we're going to get to in a little bit, but they even shared that a portion of that ministry, not the whole other ministry, but even just a portion of that ministry with men that we and they called deacons. Right. So you had chapter six. You had the apostles, and then you had deacons to help with sort of the administrative aspects, so to speak, of the church. Right. Particularly, you know, with with, with uh, the widows, with the widows, and and uh, yeah, exactly. We just, that was just in the the first reading. Right. I believe uh, Tuesday. Okay. Um, what happened by the end of the first century, though, a recognition that so as the apostles appointed other men, then as their successors, as right. bishops, well, with like, the full authority. Well, not even just as successors. I mean, because Timothy as well, yeah, right. Because Timothy, uh, before Paul ever right. died, before Timothy died. and Titus were, were were appointed with the laying on of hands. Exactly. And, uh, 
then certainly as that first generation did pass away, there were other men who we call bishops who received that full authority from the apostles, that apostolic authority. Uh, but by the end of the first century, they realized that bishops and deacons weren't able to do everything. Right. The church was growing and spreading too far, not too f- quickly and far. Thankfully. Absolutely. Right. Uh, so bishops um, started to ordain other men who didn't have the same apostolic authority and responsibilities that they did, uh, but who were able to preach the gospel, to administer the sacraments, many of the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, in the name of, on behalf of the bishop, to be him and to be, therefore, Christ to the Catholics, the Christians in a local, a small local area. Right. And that's how the presbyterate, the priesthood arose. Exactly. Am I missing anything there? Uh for the most part, no. Okay. I think I, w- I would include, uh, I mean, again, me being this crazy biblical guy uh, uh, to your theological mind, but like John chapter 20, <laughs> you know, when we th- think about the, the commission of Jesus and also in Matthew 28, the commission of Jesus commissioning the 12, yep. but thinking especially in John 20, where he says, as the father sent me, so I send you. Right. So the apostles have that very same mission. And so they understood that since that they were missioned. Right. And so- and that it was a particular mission to them, different from the rest of the followers of Jesus. Right. And so when they commissioned and passed on or gave a portion of that ministry to the deacons, it was a clear mind that what we do is different than what everyone else right. does. Right. But we need help to do this. And it's within our authority then as Jesus gave his authority to us, we can give our authority either in whole or in part to others. Because they gave that authority in whole to uh, my biblical knowledge now, simply a bit, but Matthias. Yes, as, as yes. the successor Acts of Judas, right. uh, the uh, the betrayer. Right, and so they, the, even though, uh, so they, in a sense, ordained him in that way. Right, and then the ordination in Acts six, Acts chapter six of Stephen and the uh, six other deacons. Uh, deacons. Right. So one interesting thing to me, and I, I don't know if you've ever come across any answers. One thing that I've wondered is why didn't the bishops just ordain more bishops? Why did, why did they create a distinct level of orders of holy mm-hmm. orders that does not have the the full priesthood uh because the the the, the fullness of the priesthood resides in the bishop right it's one of the interesting things that we call you for instance your, father andrew you're you're a priest but the fullness of the priesthood is really in the, the fullness of the priesthood of jesus christ is given is given to bishops is given to the bishops right. um but I, that's one thing I've wondered. I wonder why historically or what what the reasons were why they simply didn't ordain more bishops as opposed to creating this distinct. Well, I would say you look at the need um, and that the need wasn't for necessarily greater help in preaching the word, uh, but it was to help in the specific ministry of uh, the ministry of charity. With deacons, you look at, with deacons, yes, right, with deacons. It's a specific need of the ministry of charity, and they could do their other responsibilities in that way. And now, mind you, the deacons weren't just passing out bread because, right. I mean, of course, Stephen is martyred because right. he's been preaching in the temple right. in this right. beautiful sermon that he gives. But uh, so I, uh, so that specific need of this, and so because of this need, we're going to empower them for the empower. We're <laughs> Uh, we're we're going to pass on the, this authority to them right. for the, in this area, and so they can lead the church in this area, in an area that has uh, a greater need, a more uh, not greater maybe in the sense of ultimate purpose, because the highest purpose, of course, is the preaching of the word, but greater need in the sense of the multiplying of presence. And I really think in that idea of multiplying of presence is is a great notion. Whether they thought in that way, but I think that in a certain sense is what they're doing is multiplying their own presence right uh, in the world. And then if you look at the priesthood then and That's as what well, I'm talking about particularly right. though. 
Um, and now, mind you, it's not as a kind of a clear-cut historical right, thing as, as in Acts chapter 6 in the deacons, but with the priesthood, uh, there wasn't a need for you know more confirmations. There wasn't a need for more ordinate, ordinators. If, if I could make that into a ordainers, not ordainers, sure. Wasn't the same need more for more con, con, confirmators though. I they're well Byzantine on me here now. Well, I'm just <laughs> that was the original historically, right? Okay, but so in, in some of those things, there was a need for or, or or for the governance as well, the ultimate seat of governance, right? Right. That, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that, that, seems, that seems plausible. So. Right. And so multiply the presence for the sacraments, for the Eucharist, for confession, what forms it right. had at the time. Also at the same tent way too, and for the he, uh, anointing for healing, mm-hmm. as James would talk about. Um, but looking, there is Old Testament historical precedence to this. See, mm-hmm. I don't know the Bible. Ah, uh, yeah. Like awkward pause here in the podcast. Nothing like silence you, on a podcast when asking What are you question. thinking of? I'm thinking of Moses. Right. right, and the uh, suggestion of Jethro, his uh, father-in-law, who says, "Why are you here making all the decisions?" You say all these because everyone was coming to Moses for judgment. Right, and Moses didn't necessarily. Jethro, very wise and insightful, said, "You don't need to make all these judgments. Right, you can find good men, give them a portion of your Ooh. spirit, your authority, and uh, and so he picks seventy-two. That's right. In that way. And that's, that's right. actually mentioned in the uh, ordination prayer of deacons, I do believe. Really? Yes. Interesting. And so there is a good Old Testament precedence in that way. There we go. Of that. Okay. And so. So we, so uh, quite plausibly for those reasons, we do see by around 100, the, the threefold um, participation in the priesthood. Yeah. Episcopacy, uh, presbyterate, diaconate. And, and it quickly spreads. And right. its effects spreads. and Exactly. So, so we had that from very early on. Then, um, uh, so so today in most of our most dioceses, certainly in our diocese, uh, particularly I think the large ge- geographically large ones, um, there's not a lot of FaceTime, so to speak, for most Catholics with their bishop. The priest right. really is, um, in a in a sense. The, the the bishop in the local, or he he is how the bishop works in the local community, the local parish. Very much so. He's, he's that local representative in that sense. Right. Uh, now, and I mean, you can have people that more specifically represent him in a certain way. Um, people would call like a vicar general sure. in some way or a vicar for clergy, which would be a, a priest who represents the bishop uh, for other priests and their needs and their concerns. Uh, but in that specific sense, and that's why like pastors are always, I mean, in the true sense, a pastor in a parish is a geographical location more than just, um, I want to go here, but it's really that geographical location. So if I'm a pastor, then I'm responsible for every soul and I'm to bring, to bring the bishop's mission of sanctifying, governing and preaching to that area, to that specific region, to everyone there. And there's a great story of a priest from our diocese, uh, now uh, uh, retired, but um, where he <clears throat> would go and uh, he was in a smaller town, a country community. And each day after his daily mass, he'd go down to a local hardware store where there was a coffee pot and farmers and men would just spend, like, and he'd just spend the morning there talking with the men of the community. And he became such a spiritual father to them that non-Catholics would ask for him at their funeral. Hmm. Non-Catholics would ask for him, uh, would go to him for advice when they had serious issues because he brought that spiritual paternity to them in uh, in the authority of Jesus Christ. Right. That's beautiful. It's a great story. So so today then, priests 
again, to use this example, um, priests will get reassigned from time to time. And sometimes people get, um, well, <laughs> unfortunately, sometimes people want a new priest. They don't like the priest they have for various reasons. Be, care- be careful of the priest you, you want. It Ex- may not be the one that you, uh, I mean, it might be the same name, but it might be the priest you get. Exactly. Yes. Uh, sometimes though, and I, I growing up at the, the, in my home parish in Minnesota, uh, had a priest and-, and, and the- Is that pronounced Minnesota? <laughs> <laughs> What's the capital of the state in which we reside now? Pierre? Oh, yeah, exactly. Pierre, woo! Wookie <laughs> on Pahonix, working for, for me. <laughs> anyway. The, so growing we, up in Minnesota. We had a priest for a couple of years, and then the bishop reassigned him mm-hmm. um, because he, was, he had some excellent um, gifts and talents, and the bishop needed him, frankly, in a larger parish. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of people were very upset and, and appealed to the mm-hmm. bishop, wrote letters to the bishop, yeah. please, because they loved him, and they didn't want to lose him. Um, so you have the, both those realities. People love the priest they have, they don't want to lose him. Exactly. They might not love the priest they have, and they want to lose him. <laughs> and that might be going on in the same parish. And, right. You know I mean? And uh, even in smaller parish, you can have pockets of people that love a priest and pockets of people that don't love the exactly. priest. Exactly. You know? But so the point uh, I think of this sort of the theological and historical background is it doesn't matter. In a real sense, it doesn't matter because of of the role of who the priest is and who he represents and then what he does in his ministry. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I get along personally with my pastor or not, in a sense, is irrelevant because he is still there to be Jesus Christ. Right. To be, in a sense, the bishop. In persona Christi Capitus, exactly. Exactly. as the Second Vatican Council would say, right? In, in, in the person of Christ the head. Um, and, and, and so he, even if we don't click uh, in terms of our personalities, he's still who he is intended to be for right. me. When I, you, we can even see this in smaller ways, just, uh, or maybe we could branch this off even, or to use a liturgical example of the Mass. You know, again, what's the point of the Mass? Is the point of the mass the homily? Do I have to have a priest who's a good homilist? You know, I've I've given homilies on the fact that I rejoice that I'm a Catholic priest because it doesn't depend on me and my homily. Exactly. What it depends on is the Eucharist and Christ praying in me, through me, with me, and in and through and with them yep. in uh, the beauty of the holy sacrifice of the mass. Yep. And it's the same way too in the governance of the parish. You know, where is uh, Christ is where the priest is. In that sense, not in the sense that I'm God. Right. I mean, I'm very awesome, but I'm not quite that good. And so, uh, uh, you're not that good. Right. And I'm not a megalomaniac. I mean, I don't think. No, you're not. Maybe narcissistic at times, but not a megalomaniac. Aren't we all? Yes. Not me. And, uh, schizophrenic too, apparently. Anyway. (laughs) Yes, I'm many things. Uh, but so, so, so in that sense, then that there's a blessing in working, even if you don't like your priest. There's a blessing in working with your priest. Even if you don't like your bishop in your diocese, there's a blessing of working with him because for good or for ill, you know, that's the representative Christ that the church has given you. And so there's always a blessing in that obedience and following uh, what they do so as long as it's, you know, and what they say is in accord with the church's teaching on faith and morals. Exactly. Right? You know, I think there's a, there's a good analogy here uh, between our spiritual family and our natural families. Mm. You know, I don't pick my so. siblings or my parents. Right. Or your children. Or my children. Yeah. <laughs> they, they're given to me, whether I like it or not. That's, who, that's the reality. Uh, and Are you speaking I, from a deep hurt here? I, no, I'm okay. not. Not at all. <laughs> that's and good, because I don't know if we have time for that. Any of those levels, up, across or down. Um, 
that, that's just the reality. And so the same thing is true in our spiritual family, uh, right. the family of God, the church. Um, these relationships are realities that are given to us. Um, and, and, and so there's, there's as you blessing, grace in them, regardless of the, the clickability-ness of right. our relationships. Rather, regardless of how we favor exactly one another in that way. And so um, now hopefully any father, any mother loves their children, appreciates their personality and their quirks and things like that. But I think any parent can recognize that there's ways that they get frustrated by their children. Exactly. I know my mom will talk about uh, when she, when, when I was, when I and my brother were younger, she had read a book uh, by uh, uh, someone talk, called The Strong-Willed Child. Okay. And she remember, she's like, she's like, oh, that is, those are my boys. You know, <laughs> these are my children. Yes. Like, what? what? You know, we, we weren't perfect children for you. She's like, oh, no, <laughs> you weren't. But she loves us. And, exactly. Yeah. So, I, and I, you know, so when it comes to a priest, I mean, obviously, again, priests are human, just like the rest of us, not perfect. And they're going to make mistakes, but it doesn't matter. I mean, just the natural mistakes, obviously. Exactly. It, it doesn't matter. They're still Christ to us. They're mm-hmm. still... There's still, in many ways, how the bishop extends his ministry to us. To go all biblical again, as St. Paul would say, uh, we hold these treasures in earth and vessels. Exactly. Right, right. So, so yeah, you know, as we uh, moving towards um, this time when we might have get, get a new priest for good or for ill, according to our own desires or for preferences. For good or for awesome. Exactly. Yes. Uh, remember, I, I think it doesn't matter. And I still, you know, one thing that I encourage uh, my fellow lay people to do is, you know, if you get to know your priest, you know, I, I I do this before I worked for uh, for a bishop in a diocesan office. Um, you know, a lot of times people get frustrated with, you know, particularly people who have a, who have a love for the church and the church's teaching, mm. might see things that they don't care for or even maybe are wrong going in their parish, right. and so they'll um, dash off a letter to their bishop. Get to know your priest, if possible, and if, if possible, your bishop, even. Right. Uh, but but you try to form relationships. First of all, it, it probably gives you some insights, perhaps, into why they do things the way they do. Um, but also, you know, when you get to know somebody, you can, it, it's easier to bring up in a way that where it'll be heard, any concerns or questions that you have, you know, why, why, why are you doing it this way? Right. Uh, is, yes, no? Oh, definitely. And to ask those questions. I mean, now hopefully not in a confrontational way. Why the heck are you doing this? Right. But um, talk with them and say, well, I've always wondered, you know, you like to do things this way. Our previous pastor liked to do things this way. Yeah. You know, and now he might very well just say to you, because that's what I do. Right. You know, <laughs> not guaranteed answer, but uh, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Also, are you praying for your priest? And the, yes. That's you know, if you don't like your, if you don't like the, I always tell people, if you don't like the homily, pray harder. Yep. You know, yep. and uh, if you like the homily, pray harder. Because yep. <laughs> um, <laughs> I need them either way. But uh, yeah, I mean, to be praying for supporting loving priest, you know, I'm, um, and uh, for any priests that might listen, you know, I, uh, I always encourage them, if you don't like your bishop, pray for him. Yep. You know, because some priests don't like, and because priests don't choose their bishops. Nope. Thank God. I think that'd be, that'd be really horrible. And most priests don't choose their parishes either. Yep. You know, and so there's things about your parish that you like and things about your parish that you don't like yep. and need to pray. And so uh, to be that, to, to take seriously our Lord's command to, to pray for our enemies. Yep. And so if your pastor right now is your enemy, pray for him. Yep. If your bishop right now is your enemy, pray for him. If your yep. brother priest right now is your enemy, pray for him. If your parish is your enemy, pray for them. There's a theme here, I think. Mm. What could it be? 
Prayer Room Companion, we're not necessarily a message podcast, but we have any message for you today. It's pray. Pray. (laughs) So I want to go back real quick before we start to wrap up. Is this your funny anecdote? This is my funny anecdote. Oh, good, good. Uh, You you know, five guys who are going to be ordained this summer, God willing. God willing. One of them right now, um, Deacon Chris Cowles. Mm -hmm. From the mother city of the Dakotas, Yankton, Yankton, my hometown. South Dakota. So the Austin office is here um, in in the the literal, the the week before our ordinations, we always have a little luncheon for the ordinandi. And uh, and it's usually two, maybe three days at most before the... um, before the ordinations and, and last spring, then seminarian Chris Cowles, the, all the guys, we asked them to introduce themselves. So uh, Chris stands up and said, and Chris Cowles is going to be ordained as a deacon on Saturday. God, no, it's too late. <laughs> you know, because we often say as father earlier god willing yeah. you know he's like no it's it's too late yeah <laughs> it's three days away I, I, i'm gonna be ordained <laughs> no not necessarily <laughs> you might have been accepted by the bishop but the mm-hmm. hands are not there yet. exactly but it was uh it just it was it was very humorous well i mean at the same way to a wedding right. i mean you know i'm yeah. gonna get married this day but you know something you never, you never know you, you really know. don't you and know. i mean God willing, I mean, in ordination, in marriage, we better for something to come up before than after. Exactly. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So, so. so I, I think you also had a... Uh, well, we're just talking about moving and uh, this time of year, in the, in, not just in our diocese, but in other dioceses. Like I uh, was talking to a friend from another state, and they had mentioned how a, f- uh, a friend of ours that was ordained a couple of years before had just gotten a new assignment that he's very excited about. And, and why I call one of my priest friends... Uh, from our diocese yesterday and now in our diocese no moves have been announced yet right at, at this time and in my best sergeant schultz you know i know I'm nothing not exactly uh, I did all- so i call uh i call his friend i'm like well what's going on he's like well i'm moving i'm like you're what, you're moving he's like oh yeah I'm like what really he's like well yeah i'm moving from this room to that room <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, I, I don't, and he wasn't doing it on purpose because he really was moving because he's well i'm not going to stay in this room i'm going to use this room and use this room for something else. And, and I was like, what? oh man. Yeah. But it is that type of year where movements like that go. Exactly. Um, it's an interesting thing that way, just like from my own experience of it, like maybe people will wonder, um, each year as a priest, you put in a little form. Uh, the bishop sends out these forms to all his priests and mm-hmm. says, what assignment are you in now? Uh, how long have you been there? Uh, what's going on in that assignment? Uh, are you near retirement age? You know, uh, do you have any special things that maybe you'd like the bishop to take into consideration? You know, maybe you have an elderly mother who's really sick and you're the closest living relative. And so you'd say, you know, right now I'm in Mowbridge and she lives in Elk Point, which is about as far away you get from each other in our diocese. Yep. So maybe it'd be nice if I could be somewhat closer to Elk Point. Um, so things like that can go on the form. Also, uh, you know, maybe I have a desire. I, I might have a gift that the bishop could use for prison ministry, for uh, reservation work with the Native American peoples, right. with Hispanic work, uh, with college campus work. Uh, I'd like to work with Catholic schools, things like that. So you kind of put all the information down. And uh, the bishop gets together with a consultative board of priests. Uh, they don't make decisions, but they consult him. And, uh, and they kind of hash through and work on all this information and maybe talk with guys and interview them and... <laughs> In the course of that, then they come up with a uh, with a plan for the diocese, and and, all, and the bishop is also very conscious of what are the needs of parishes. Right. You know, I mean, is there a parish that has financial troubles, and maybe the priest there now just really isn't good with books? I mean, because right. we're human, some guys aren't good with books. I'm not very good with certain reports. Right. You know, um, 
And uh, please forgive me, uh, Matt Altoff, uh, for not sending in my reports every year, <laughs> or at least not in a timely pa- fashion. But uh, And so sometimes you need a different priest to go in some ways. And right. so the bishop is always praying and looking at those things. I know our bishop, a very serious man, never makes an unconsidered decision. Absolutely. And uh, to go about things in that way. And so like for my, uh, like, you know, uh, Dr. Bergwald, you mentioned that I've had several assignments since I've been ordained. I mean, this is my third assignment in five years, which is typical early on. Hopefully right. now there'll be, God willing, some stability in my uh, assignment life and allow me to kind of, actually, I was reflecting on that. This is the first time I'll, I'll have had a third year in, in an assignment. Right. I've never had three years in one location. You yet. know, what's interesting to me, you know, I, um, Matt, our chancellor pointed this out to me, uh, in the code of canon law, canon, I think 522 specifies according to the, the universal law of the church, that priests are assigned to a parish for an indefinite period of time, Correct. unless the conference of bishops decrees otherwise. Yes. No, I think in the United States, the norm is a six, six year term, six year term. Yep. Um, for that, right. And for good reason, again, going back to some of the things we we're talking about before. So it's not, you don't identify the priest or the church so much with this particular right. man. Um, and so you have a sense, uh, but so you just use the term stability and, and that's what the, the Canon 522 refers to explicitly. Exactly. That's stability. And uh, I think there's pros and cons and that'd be a whole nother argument yeah. about a whole nother discussion about the length of terms in the United States. Uh, cause I think there is something powerful to, for someone's experience to have had uh, a priest baptize you first confession, first communion, be there at your confirmation and maybe be there when you're ordained or when you're married right. or when you right to go visit you when you enter the convent. I mean, that'd be a powerful experience for the priest and for the people. Right. Yep. In that sense. Yep. Um, and some of the things have been, points have been made about uh, bishops as well, for that matter. Very uh, much The so. Holy Father, uh, Pope Benedict, when he was Cardinal Ratzinger, wondered if it was good that we moved bishops as often as, as we they do. do, which is certainly less often than priests get moved. And so f- for Pope Benedict, who I know listens to Prayer Room Companions yes. uh, each week, uh, please don't move Bishop Swain. <laughs> please please leave him here very good any other any other thoughts father as we wrap up no okay all right well uh i think father you're going to be gone next week i'm working at the uh, uh august institute uh which is a graduate school in denver wonderful uh graduate yes. school in the spirit of saint augustine also another patron uh saint uh thomas aquinas work with them on a, a week-long uh, summit for uh, undergraduate college students, which would be great. Great. Going to teach a class there on the humble confidence of the saints. Beautiful. Have yeah. a great time. Yeah. Well, and so we will we will have an episode next week, but we'll see or hear Father again in two weeks. So This is a great lesson, of course, for me, that the world does not revolve around right. me. Yes, indeed. It, that, that's me when it comes to prayer room companion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Father. You're welcome. And we'll be back next week with another episode of Prayer Room Companion. <laughs>